This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. A very warm welcome to you to this radio church service on the 21st Sunday of Pentecost the season, the Christian season of Pentecost, uh, with its focus on growth, very consistent with the season of spring. And what a marvellous time it is as we see the flowers uh, appearing and the uh, trees turning green and uh, all kinds of things happening around us, despite all the weather's changeability of the season. It's a marvellous time, so a very warm welcome to you, my name is Kerry Enright and I'm one of the ministers of Knox Church in Dunedin. As a call to worship, I'm going to read the beginning of Psalm 104. Praise the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, you are great indeed. You are clothed in majesty and splendor. You cover yourself with light, as it were with a blank over the garment. You have spread out the heavens like a tent. You laid out the beams of your dwelling on the waters above. You make the clouds your chariot and ride upon the wings of the wind. You make the winds your messengers and flames of fire your servants. You fix the earth on its foundations so that it can never be shaken. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O praise the Lord. And we're going to listen to a piece of music by Marty Hagen probably the most prolific composer of hymns of our age, Sing Out Earth and Skies. Come, O God of all the earth, come to us, O righteous one. Come and bring our love to birth in the glory of your Son. Sing out earth and skies, sing of the God who loves you. Righteousness. Teach us all to sing your name. May our lives your love confess. Sing out in the sky. Sing of the God who loves you. Raise your joyful cries. Dance to the life around you. Come, O God of flashing light, twinkling star and burning sun. God of day and God of night, in your light we all are one. Justice, come, O peace, come and shape our hearts anew, come and make oppression cease, bring us all to life in you. Sing of the sky, sing of the God, sing of the God, raise your joyful cries, dance to the life around you. 
and then we come to God in prayer. Let us pray. From the shore we look out to sea and sense the enormity of the ocean as it stretches beyond our sight, beyond the horizon. And we praise you, who are greater than even the great oceans. On the sand the waves wash in and out and we see them hitting against the cliffs and bashing against the rocks. And we sense their power to fashion our shoreline. And we praise you who are more powerful than the beating waves. In the night we look up and see stretched before us the pattern of stars. And we know they are light years away. And that our earth is a tiny filament in a vast vista of energy and time. And we praise you who are more vast than the cosmos. In the, ordinary, in the ordinariness of our days, as the blossoms brighten and fall, as the flowers colour our land, as the trees are clothed in green, we praise you who are more vibrant and life-giving than anything we know. God of creation, majestic in your rule, beautiful in your love, gentle in your spirit, we praise you. As we move towards COP26, the gathering of world leaders to address climate change, we're sorry for how we have treated your earth, Papa Tuanuku. We have not cared for it with the attention it needs. We have taken more from it than you created it to give. We have not respected the limits of its abundance. Forgive us, we pray. Humble us to live in love of you and neighbour, of the earth and of ourselves, reflecting the way of Jesus Christ, through whom we pray. Amen. My friends, because of what God has done in Jesus Christ, I can declare to you, our sins are forgiven. Thanks be to God, and the peace of Christ be with you always. So I have two readings for today, and the first is from the book of Job, chapter 38, reading the first seven verses. Job 38, verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up your loins like a man. I will question you, and you shall declare to me, Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together, and all the heavenly beings shouted for joy. And then from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, reading from verse 35 to verse 45. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. 
But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Thanks be to God for these readings from the Bible. And may God grant us understanding of them. And now we're going to hear one of my favorite hymns ever. A marvelous hymn called God of the Sparrow. And it's a hymn where there are lots of questions, as you will hear it sung. God of the Sparrow. Say joy, how do your children say home? 
now we come to a reflection on the reading, particularly the reading from Job. People new to the Christian faith are often surprised to find it has a depth they hadn't anticipated. They imagined that they would sign up to some beliefs and then just get on with living them out. The Ten Commandments, the Beatitudes, the Golden Rule. But as they began to explore faith, they discovered many questions. And some of their questions didn't have answers. They discovered that being Christian involved being questioned and asking questions as we uncover layer upon layer upon layer of exploration. The book of Job wrestles with questions. Why do we experience pain? Why do we suffer? Why do apparently good people get a poor deal? Why do bad people succeed? The early part of Job is spent with the friends of Job offering sometimes pious, superficial and rather unsatisfying suggestions, chapter after chapter of such suggestions indeed. Then Job realises that the issues are bigger, wider, deeper than the suggestions his friends make. Until finally, after many, many chapters, Job gets to ask God some questions. Now Job might have expected a nicely reasoned answer. Well, this is God after all, and isn't God the ultimate answerer? Job might have expected something like, well, people suffer because of this, or people experience pain because of this, or good people aren't rewarded because of this, or bad people succeed because... But Job gets nothing of that. God answers Job with a question, and not just one question, twenty of them, one after the other. I will question you, God says. And these aren't the questions uh, with the aim of shutting Job down or telling him to go away. No, God asks questions to extend Job's imagination, to open up his heart, in order to maintain a relationship with him. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Who determined its measurements? Who stretched the line upon it? Who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the heavenly beings shouted for joy? Well, yes, you might say, but surely God does provide some answers. After all, there's that passage in First Corinthians that suggests that one day there will be an answer. Verse 12 from chapter 13, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, but then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. People often speak of that day as the day that we will finally know the truth, that we will finally have the answers to all our questions. But what about if face to face and being fully known God asks, so what have you been doing? What if at the end there is but another question for us? Hmm. 
Or you might quote the book of Revelation, chapter 21, to suggest that there will be finality, there will be finally an absolutely clear answer to all our questions. See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them, they will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. But do you notice that what is portrayed in that verse is an ongoing relationship? God will dwell with them. They will be God's people. So what is portrayed here is an ongoing relationship. And every relationship I have experienced involves questions, ongoing questions, sometimes many of them. An enduring relationship, indeed an eternal relationship, is inquisitive and curious and exploratory. So it's possible to see the Christian faith as a dialogue of questions. We asking questions, God asking questions. We asking questions, God asking questions. In an inquiring relationship that just keeps getting deeper and deeper. Theologically, it's called interrogative theology, a theology that wonders, that explores possibilities, that nourishes curiosity. A person who had a great influence on my life in my early years was a very firm atheist, but he was also a very inquisitive person, and he instilled that desire in me. So that when I became a Christian, I went to see him, and I suggested to him, the fervent atheist, that it was his inquisitiveness that led me to become a Christian, because I kept asking questions about whether the world view with which I had grown up was big enough. <laughs> he didn't quite know what to make of that as a firm atheist, being kind of given a backhanded compliment that it was his approach that uh, turned me towards faith. But I always want to ask an atheist this question when they say, I don't believe in God. I want to ask, well, what kind of God don't you believe in? I wonder if you can remember conversations that made you wonder and consider alternatives and question your choices. I'm not talking about questions that accused you, like, why did you do that? I'm not talking about hostile questions, how can you believe that? I'm not talking about questions that are really just final statements. Why won't you accept this? No, I'm talking about gentle curiosity that invites ongoing exploration. And I think that's what Job, what God does to Job. Were you there at the foundation of the earth? And Job is asked to imagine the time of creation when earth began, when all came together. So God is inviting Job out of imagining himself as the centre of it all. Carl Sagan is a writer, teacher and astronomer who attempts the same but through science. In his book Pale Blue Dot, Sagan describes a photograph taken by the Voyager 1 spacecraft that appears to portray only solid blackness. He writes that the photo was taken from four billion miles away from Earth. 
And then he points out a faint, barely detectable object reflecting the sun's life. It is Earth, small, feeble, seemingly insignificant. And yet, this is the place where human thought, experience and action occur. He is aiming, it seems, to push us to embrace a diminished sense of the status of the human person in the context of a vast universe. Humankind is a small matter when it comes to the cosmos. And maybe he's asking us the question, can we gain some perspective on our humanness in the context of such vastness? Jesus often asks questions to encourage exploration as well. In the passage we heard read, for example, the disciples are treating Jesus as if he is the answer to all their problems. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And Jesus responds with a question, well, what is it you want me to do for you? And when they respond with a statement about status, Jesus asks, are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? It's a question that invites them to see beyond their own concerns. And maybe that is the question COVID is asking us as well. The God question in COVID might be, in the context of COVID, how can we best serve others? How can you see yourself not at the centre of life, but as part of a closely connected creation? How can we live out our responsibility to others? And so I sense this. Faith is not arriving at a definitive answer or a final conclusion. Faith is asking one question after another. Prompted by God who is the question in an eternal dialogue. St. Anselm said that theology is faith seeking understanding. Note it's not faith finding understanding. It's faith seeking understanding. And seeking is ongoing. God's questioning of us is ongoing, peeling back layer after layer as we encounter the challenges of life. So what we thought was final, when, as Paul says to the Corinthians, we will see face to face, what we might face, finally, is another question. And in the meantime, we can keep practicing that skill with each other. Among other things, that is what it means to be church. So let's see how long we can sustain a conversation based only on asking questions and sensing that our own questions are themselves questioned by a wider, deeper, higher question. The question, who is God? And so now we come uh, to a prayer for others. Let us join together in prayer as we take up the call of God to be responsible citizens and neighbours to those around us. Let us pray. Holy One who came as a child, we pray for your children everywhere. For those who are hungry, we pray for nourishment. For those who are fleeing, we pray for safety. For those who are ill, we pray for your healing. 
For those who are grieving, we pray for your peace. For those who are suffering, we pray for your presence. Holy Three who patterns community, we pray for communities everywhere. For those who are divided, we pray for unity. For those who are isolated, we pray for connection. For those who are afraid, we pray for your courage. And for those who are frustrated, we pray for new hope. Nourish us, we pray, in the labour of love. Keep our hope steadfast, that we might know your grace and your peace, until as we wait for your coming reign of justice and of overwhelming love. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. And so a blessing for you. Be watchful, stand firm in your faith, be courageous and strong, and let all that you do be done in love. And may the blessing of God, the Creator, the Saviour and the Spirit, rest upon you and remain with you and those you love now and always. Amen. And we finish with another marvellous piece of music. Sing of the Lord's goodness. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.